You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well. How are you keeping? Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm inside keeping nice and warm. Of course, we've had our, our most recent uh, first snowfall today. First snowfall. Winter yeah. is here. And I uh, saw so, so many of my neighbors outside shoveling and it, it was, it's just a reminder of what's coming around the corner in terms of the season of, of Christmas. Which is yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of pretty. The snow is pretty. We had a couple of dreary weeks in November, so it's it's kind of nice to get that light dusting. Um, I don't know if it'll stick around, but it's nice to have the change. It is. Today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in, but please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations, and feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And do subscribe to our podcast where you can download all the wonderful information from all of our guests. We are the Health Hub's Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all your pay- favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. My son asked me a while ago, and I wrote about this just recently, um, is it better to eat raw or cooked food? And I had my opinions, but I thought, you know what? My son is very, um, very intelligent. And I thought he had the answers before uh, I was ready to give them. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research this a little bit before I give him my, my uh, thoughtful answer. And um, of course, it, you know, in the, the grand scheme of thing, Alex, a, a well-balanced diet, a nutritious plant-based diet is is uh, the best thing. Um, you know, the, the debate between raw and cooked isn't really that critical for most people. But, um, you know, there are some people that tend to say raw is always better. Um, some people, I guess, say cooked is always better. But it doesn't, um, it doesn't always fall in one or the other camp. Right. There are several nutrients that are destroyed, several, some vitamins that are destroyed in cooking, while others become easier to absorb, more bioavailable when you cook them. Yeah. So when some nutrients are heated, they tend to uh, degrade. And this may be from the, obviously is from the heat, from steaming, boiling, roasting, or frying. Vitamin C and B are vitamins that are uh, more delicate and susceptible to um, losing their value if they're heated. Um, The second reason why foods high in vitamin C are best eaten raw is that they are water soluble. So what this means is that um, when, when uh, 
fruits and vegetables are cooked, some of the vitamins go into the water. They dissolve right into the water. So they seep out from the nutrients. Now, one way you can sort of counteract this is using the the water that you've cooked your vegetables in for gravy, for instance, or keeping it or using it for stocks. But generally speaking, um, the water-soluble vitamins and food containing them are, are you know, better eaten. Um, if you're trying to get this from the foods, the vitamin C and B are better eaten when they are in their raw form. On the other hand, there are some foods and some nutrients that are more bioavailable when you cook them. So certain orange and red beta carotene rich veggies like tomatoes and carrots and sweet potato can help make pre-vitamin A more absorbable when you cook it. Um, Another nutrient called lycopene, where, uh, which is found a lot in tomatoes, this is where most commonly found in tomatoes, is better potentiated when it's cooked. So the, the last issue with the raw and cook thing is that some people whose digestive systems may not be able to withstand um, very fibrous foods, doing a light sautéing can be adv- advantageous for, for them eating eating the food. So vegetables like kale can be really fibrous for some. So a light sautéing uh, will, will help t- for them to enjoy their food better and um, make it more accessible for, for people. So just I just wanted to touch on that because it is, it is a, a controversy that seems to swirl every now and again, but uh, pros and cons to each. So take that Take that with a grain of salt, everything that, that you're uh, cooking and eating, and know that uh, it's always not one way or the other. I like that. Take it with a grain of salt while you're cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a little salt in there. Well done. Today's guest is Daniel E. Kennedy, and he is a healthcare executive, counselor, author, and filmmaker. His passion for disease prevention was ignited professionally while working with thousands of cancer patients and personally by witnessing the cancer and heart disease related to deaths of his grandmother, uncle, aunt, and father. His philosophy is simple. It's not good enough to live a long, sick life when there's the opportunity to live a long, healthy life. Through the process of writing and host writing 15 books on cancer and heart health, Daniel honed his skills necessary to create, write, and direct the eight-episode Healthy Long Life documentary series. His relationships with researchers and clinicians developed over the last three decades has given him access to the world's top experts on healthy life expectancy. The Healthy Long Life documentary series is a global celebration of life, food, ancient healing traditions, dance, and music. It's a feast for the eyes and food for the brain. It uncovers longevity and health secrets from all around the world. The learning points today, we have a lot of them. We go over a lot of information in this this, uh, discussion. What is the paradox of longevity? What is key to living a healthy long life? And how can curiosity about health inspire us to go down the right path? So all of these things and so much more will be talked about with Daniel Kennedy in a few minutes. So please stay tuned.
Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, this show is being taped, so no call-in opportunity. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to our show. Well, Kathy, it is such a pleasure to be here today, and I, I really love the work that you're doing. And you know, everybody in their life needs a health hub. Oh, aren't you? Aren't you great? Thank you so much. I think we're both out there pounding the pavement, trying to make uh, you know our little space of the world as as good as it can be. Um, and you're not in your tiny space. You've traveled the world uh, on your mission, which is so admirable. And uh, yeah, I've introduced everybody to to your docu-series, which we'll get into. But I think um, I'd really like everyone to hear your backstory of how you, you followed a life along this path. Yeah, you know, my backstory is really what led me to film Healthy Long Life in 13 different countries, looking for how can we not only live longer, but actually be well. I don't want to spend the last 10 years or 20 years of my life where my social calendar is full of doctors. You know, it might sound like, oh, wow, all your friends are doctors. Nope, that's just how I have to spend the last 10 years of my life. Uh, and it just goes back to when I was a child, when I was eight years old, my grandmother uh, died of ovarian cancer. My grandmother had three kids. My dad was the middle child. So it was my uncle, Roger, who was the firstborn, my dad, David, and then my aunt, Patricia, the little sister. Well, uncle Roger died of uh, pancreatic cancer. My dad had kidney cancer, but it was resolved uh, just by removing the cancer. So he lived the rest or the whole kidney. So he lived the rest of his life with one kidney, which is doable. Unfortunately, he passed away. Um, a year and a half ago of congestive heart, heart failure. 
And then uh, my aunt Patricia died uh, two months after my dad died and she has stage four melanoma cancer. Mm -hmm. So my aunt didn't have any children, but Roger had three kids and his eldest David uh, has already battled uh, successfully lymphoma or some type of cancer involving the lymph system. It gets a little bit more technical, but we'll just call it lymphoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, uh, you know, the other two, do not have cancer. And uh, my sister and I uh, don't have cancer, but it's amazing. You know, grandmother dies of cancer. All three of her kids have cancer. And the first of five, you know, cousins already has cancer. And I'm thinking, are we really inheriting cancer or is there something that we can do about it? And so I've really spent a lot of my uh, adult life studying and writing about cancer and, um, you know, but it's not just cancer, it's heart disease, it's diabetes, uh, it's the gateway of obesity that, that can lead to all of that. Uh, and that's really why I decided to go out there and get answers to try to change the destiny of my own family, my wife, my children, and, and hopefully future grandchildren. Um, that's my personal motivation. And then my professional motivation is I've been working uh, at the Oasis of Hope Hospital Cancer Treatment Center for the last 27 years. And, you know, I've been counseling uh, thousands and thousands of patients dealing with cancer. And there's one thing uh, uh, that we agree on in our sessions, and that is they want to help their family members prevent what they're going through. And so this film is largely dedicated to all of uh, the patients I've counseled that are hoping to help their family members prevent getting cancer. It's amazing, isn't it, how experiences really form and shape the path of where our life is going. And, you know, you don't have to have cancer. You don't have to have a chronic disease to see how it's so impactful uh, on the people around you, further out on the economy. I think that somebody touches on that in your um, in your series as well. But what you know when you were going out and, and gathering this esteemed group of practitioners, did you already have in mind what you wanted to create, or was the vision more loose and you pulled it together as you started talking and learning more? I started um, going to an international plant-based conference uh, that was founded by a doctor named Dr. Scott Stahl. And I was really impacted by the speakers uh, that were there, including uh, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study. Uh, That's where I heard and met Dr. Codwell Esselstyn and uh, Dr. Michael Greger and Dean Ornish. So, you know, I was already heavily influenced by their message of the power of uh, plant-based nutrition. And then growing up, um, my grandfather, Ernesto Contreras, founded Oasis of Hope Hospital in 1963, and he... uh, really was committed to using food to heal, uh, to be a part of the therapy, uh, to the point where now our hospital actually has rooftop gardens where we grow our organic produce. So it's, it's roof to table at our hospital. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I was already kind of going out there with this idea that food would heal. And initially, I was going to call the documentary Eating Well, Living Long. But as I started interacting, not only with the experts, but we would find um, local people that were uh, in their 90s or 100 years old still working. We wanted to interview them and, and ask them, how is it that you are so healthy you know, in your 90s or even 100 years old? Uh, I realized that it, that's a lot more than just the food that we eat. You know, food is foundational, but it's more than that. It's to live a long and healthy and quality life uh, involves a lot more. And that's where, you know, I had the, the moment to think, no, the, the right name for this documentary series is Healthy Long Life. And what I found was that there isn't just one diet. And these longevity capitals, people are eating different types of diets. And so that was a real eye-opener to me. And I decided I wasn't going to go out there and preach uh, my own point of view and my own convictions on diet. I was just going to share the information from the experts and then from the actual people that live well into their 90s healthy and let the viewer decide because when you get your own information and you make your decisions, you're going to stick with it a lot more than reading some book and getting on some crash diet program that that will go away. You need to make slow changes that you really believe in to have lasting uh, effects. And so that was kind of my idea is like, just show what's really out there. Don't try to preach your point of view. And I think that that is so powerful because oftentimes when, you know, you're looking at authors, you're looking at scientists, they're looking to prove a point, a predetermined point in their head, or they've got, they've got a theory, obviously, and they're trying to prove that. But when the information is coming to you, when you're soaking it in, it's, it's a beautiful way to, um, to share it just by letting the story flow. Because I think, you know, we're coming to that age of personalized medicine, personalized nutrition. And I think people mm -hmm. like you are really pushing this idea that there's no one way. And I think the power in that is that people won't feel stuck in some lifestyle that they don't find is congruent with the way they are. And I think to liberate people with your film and your word is, is profound. Well, I really love the experts that have their point of view and all the science to support it. And they're on the extreme. I, I cherish them. Um, people like Dr. Uh, Campbell, who wrote the China study. He is one of the kindest people and his wife, Karen, are just some of the kindest people. Uh, and they make you feel instantly like you're their family. Uh, and I love the kind of the extreme view, like it's this way, because we need the, us as the general public, we need people with extreme points of view to get us to just move a little bit in the right direction. I, I feel like that's, that's so necessary. Uh, but even when I was interviewing Dr. Campbell, I asked him about the China study and I said, so are you telling me that you have to eat plant-based foods and you can't eat any animal protein or dairy products um, to not get cancer? And I loved his answer. He said, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying to you is that 
the data based on 20 years of studying the same people, tens of thousands of people suggest that the closer you are to a plant-based diet, the lower your risk for all chronic degenerative diseases like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and cancer uh, is. And I, I love that answer because he didn't push you and say, well, this is the one thing. He just said, well, the closer you are, the lower your risk uh, is. And I think that allows people the opportunity for the individualism right there, because I think we are at that point right now where we know that including uh, a plants, you know, vegetables and fruits and grains into your diet is key. But there are people, um, and I think studies point this way too, that do benefit for uh, from having a bit of meat. But I think the overall message, as he was trying to say, or as he did say to you, was that going in a plant-based direction is correct. But you know, he did give that opportunity for individualism. And I think when people feel that they don't have to be pigeonholed, I think that the the inquiry and I think that their desire to expand their knowledge gets pushed. I'm not sure if you see it that way, but for me, when I'm working with people and they, you know, I can see by the look on their face, they're thinking I'm going to make them eat tofu and, you know, lima beans. Um, and I say, no, let's let's work. Let's see where you're at. All of a sudden, the shoulders relax and, and they're more able to listen and make necessary changes. Did you, do you find that? I do. And I've, I really run into a lot of people uh, where it seems like their diet is, is their religion and it's divisive instead mm-hmm. of uniting. And, uh, you know, so if I'm plant-based, I, I like to not be disruptive to other people's lives. I want to connect with them and, and not push my belief on them. And to me, it's very, very much like religion. Um, and I tell people, look, if you have your, your religious convictions, don't push it on people uh, and just miss out on this incredible opportunity to connect with people of other belief systems. Uh, instead, hey, if a person wants to know, uh, you know, about me and my my Christian life, and they would like to live a Christian life too, ask me. I'll share. Uh, but if you don't ask me specifically about that, I'd rather you just get to know me and my heart for who I am, and I want to get to know you and who you are, for who you are. You know, uh, one of the the best experiences that I had filming this was in a temple in Kyoto. And I was speaking to um, the deputy priest uh, there in this temple. His family had been in charge of the temple for five generations, which isn't really that long because the temple is is ancient, but still five generations. Um, And he's a Buddhist priest. And I'm actually an ordained Christian minister Mm -hmm. and Boy, did we connect. And we we agreed on, you know, like 95%. Uh, and when the camera stopped rolling, we just continued the, the conversation. And I look forward to going back and, and visiting, you know, my new friend. Well, I feel it should be that way about food. We should be able to sit down and, hey, if I'm not going to eat the meat, well, and you are great, more for you, and slide over your veggies to me. We can still be friends because I'm on my path and you're on your path. But if you see 
that your blood work is coming back and your triglycerides are out of control and your glucose is, is going into pre-diabetic and your cholesterol is, is not healthy and you have other things going on and you see that I'm in my uh, early 50s and my blood work looks great and you want to have health like me and taking no medications and you ask me how I did it, I'll be happy to share with you. In fact, I'll go out and film a eight-part documentary series and publish it called Healthy Long Life if you want to learn about that. I, I, it, is, it's, it is profound. You know, people, I think, learn best by example. And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're resonating health and you're resonating happiness, people will gravitate and will want to learn more. And I think that, uh, you know, bringing together these experts in this film, it just increases people's questioning and their, their desire to learn more because of the platform that you're speaking on. Now, was there one thing from all of the guests that you learned that surprised you? Well, I, I would tell you that I was surprised that the experts around the world have different opinions you know, we all just want this absolute truth. And we hope that all the scientists will agree. But I spoke to researchers at Cancer Research UK, uh, at the Max Planck Institute, at the World Health Organization. We went to uh, the headquarters in Geneva and spoke to the uh, the head of nutrition for the, for the whole, you know, world. Uh, we met with the uh, director of nutrition for the Israeli Ministry of Health, uh, we spoke to the former president of Beijing University and went uh, to India, to, to Delhi University. And I got different opinions from everyone except for one thing. What they all agreed on was that reducing the amount of calories that you intake in a day as, as a you know, as a daily habit, eating less calories will absolutely extend your life. And that was kind of like the, the moment that I was like, wow. Uh, so, you know, we all know, especially in the United States, that we are overeating. The portion sizes in some restaurants, you know, we should probably be feeding a family of four, not just one person. Um, so, yeah, the excess in our lives, uh, I think, are taking away um, quality living years. We do live excessive lifestyles. Um, and, and I even find confusion for people within that statement, because are we coming, you know, in that statement, are they speaking to the overabundance of food that we're consuming in the Western world versus the Eastern world who doesn't seem to eat as much? And, and what is a healthy level of calories? I get that all the time. Um, and it's, it's, it's intriguing that the caloric intake is, is the issue that, that you gravitated to because it seems to be the question, the issue, the, um, the thing swirling around nutrition as a whole. And again, landing on that one, how much you eat is a tough one as well. It is. And on the one hand, it's like, well, how much you eat, but I really like the concept of caloric restriction versus how much you eat. Because mm -hmm. if I have, if I eat a cup of kale, there's going to be very few calories in that. Like a whole cup of kale is 
probably going to have less than a hundred calories. But if I ate a cup of sugar or drank a whole cup of orange juice, I'd be ingesting quite a few calories, uh, hundreds of calories. And so the caloric in, in, uh, restriction, you know, helps to guide me. I can eat huge amounts of vegetables compared to eating, you know, other types of things, sugary foods and white flour foods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, again, this is something that, you know, nutrition is becoming so much of, of a field of study now. Um, and I think what I like about what you're doing is you're dealing with these um, experts in the area, but it's, it's on a level that people can relate to. Um, a lot of people don't want to read the science behind what they're eating. They just want to know generally what to eat and guidelines. And I think this is, you know, this is what you're trying to do. And you're trying to give people a, a framework of how to live uh, a healthy life. And uh, there is a big difference between living a healthy life and living a long life. And when we get back from our break, mm-hmm. we're going to really dive into, into this aspect of what Daniel's trying to bring forth in his docuseries. So everyone will be back in a couple of minutes. Stopped on the front porch, six years old, watching dad walk out the door. Open your eyes, open your eyes, and dream again. Yeah. One stopped when the doctor said you'll never have a baby of your own. Stopped after two attempts at rehab, couldn't help him get control.
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Daniel Kennedy. He is the director, producer. Do I have that right? Director and producer? Uh, yes. It's kind of embarrassing uh, because I basically did everything. I was on a shoestring budget. <laughs> That's okay. And I don't know, I don't know, you know, a whole bunch between the director, the producer. So director, producer of a wonderful docu-series called The Healthy Long Life. Daniel, let's get into the docu-series because I want everyone to get a really good idea of what you've brought forth here and what you've created because it's outstanding. Can you tell us about the, this, the underlying idea here of we don't want to just live out our years. We, want, we don't want just longevity. We want healthy longevity. What is your science telling you about the difference between the two? You know, the starting point for the whole documentary series uh, comes from the publication from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that uh, has tracked life expectancy in the United States. And it's getting up there. It is increasing almost to 80 years. But they also publish the healthy life expectancy. So life expectancy is 79.8 years but the healthy life expectancy is only 69.6 years, something like that. So there's about 10 years difference. Now, what does that mean? If you're born today, you have a life expectancy of almost 80 years. However, only 70 of those years will be spent in health. 10 years of your life will be spent in suffering, sickness, disease, and crushing medical bills. Um, we had, you had mentioned in the first half of your program that, uh, you know, some of my experts talked about the medical bills. Um, and Dr. Michael Clapper said that uh, economic studies on healthcare show that 90% of the healthcare dollars are spent in the last year of life. That's crazy. And then there's other economic studies that put healthcare expenses as one of the uh, top five reasons for bankruptcy in the United States. And that's even if you're insured, because insurance will only uh, uh, take you so far. And so my question as I set out to film was, do you want a healthy, long life or do you just want to live long? And the answer is, you know, I want to be a grandpa that's surfing with my grandkids. I don't want to be a grandpa that's being pushed around uh, or, or dollied around because I can't get up and walk. And, you know, God bless all of the, the people that are in suffering and pain. My, my dad was somebody that um, I remember he, he made the effort to, to make it to my daughter's high school graduation and my youngest daughter's junior high uh, um, graduation. And we had to take him and he was 
you know, in such bad shape that sitting on the bleachers, I had to sit right behind him and I had to hold his body up. And boy, my arms were tired by the end of the the graduation. And I was thinking if I could make it to my grandkids' graduation and be able to walk in and sit on my own power, uh, you know, that would be an, an, an accomplishment. And so my documentary series gives all kinds of information on how to live a healthy, long life. And I set out to talk to the world experts, but I also set out to talk to people that were in their 90s and still working, maybe working their family farm. Um, And I also uh, set out to speak to practitioners of ancient healing uh, methods because I think, wow, you know, civilization has arrived uh, without any pharmaceuticals and survived. Pharmaceuticals have only been around for the last century. It's incredible. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, pharmaceuticals have, have only been around the last hundred years or so. So how did the world get to this point without them? And, and so that's really what we go and explore. Can you list all of the, um, or is it too many? Uh, can you list all of the um, the uh, experts you had on the show so people get a good broad sense of, of um, how far and wide you've gone to collect your information? Yeah, it is a, a quite a long list, and and but I'll start with the names that that people really would recognize. Um, we interviewed Dr. Michael Greger. He's on the New York bestsellers list or New York Times bestselling list with his book How Not to Die. We uh, interviewed Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn and Dr. T. Colin Campbell, uh, Dr. Dean Ornish. We um, interviewed an oncologist named Dr. Delia Garcia. Uh, I had already mentioned that we interviewed the uh, Director of Nutrition for the Ministry of Health in Israel and uh, Cancer Research UK. We interviewed the Director of Early Diagnosis and Detection uh, na- named Sarah uh, Hilm. Uh, at Max Planck Institute, we uh, interviewed the researcher Sebastian Gronke. Uh, we interviewed the chair of chemistry in uh, University of Delhi. Uh, you know, I mean, we really, really went around the world. Uh, we interviewed a uh, researcher at the University of Shizuoka in Japan uh, and three different professors, um, experts in traditional Chinese medicine in Beijing, China, uh, and did interviews in uh, Mexico City. So we tried, well, I have to mention Dr. Satya Prakash, uh, who is uh, a lead professor at McGill University, and he uh, runs research on a model of the gastrointestinal uh, track there's only three in the world and so i actually film that and that comes and we talk about the microbiome and how important that is so it is really a, a broad look and you get plenty of opinions and and i feel that that will help take you to truth if you can get a broad look at things from around the world not just one single feed here in the united states um, i think you can find some handles to grab on to get you on a path to health. Well, it's truly integrational, right? It's it's truly bringing together different concepts. And this, again, is getting back to 
education for people, but also what resonates. You know, we have history, Mm -hmm. we have tradition, and, you know, sometimes trying to pick up a book and follow a diet because the book has sold so many copies, you know, it may not work for you. Um, And I think that that's an important thing. So I think expanding knowledge and getting people inquisitive. I think when you're inquisitive, then you get led down this path of knowledge. And I think that that is key. Now, is it when you when you were talking, you interviewed also a number of cancer survivors. And did you also interview other other people that were, um, you know, dealing with chronic illness as well? Uh, yes, we did. And, um, but most of our interviews were with uh, cancer survivors, but we did speak with people that, uh, you know, had turned their life around with um, cardiovascular disease as well. Uh, but as I work in the cancer field, um, that really did influence who I was choosing to interview. And because my family, um, you know, had so much cancer, I was uh, especially going after that. Did you find a, a thread among cancer survivors, uh, a characteristic that um, kind of stood you up straight that you didn't really realize before or all the stories extremely different? There are common threads. Uh, I have found that most people that um, are surviving cancer uh, talk about their faith and they talk about food and they're people that are proactive and don't just have a passive approach, letting the doctor work on them like a mechanic will work on a car, but they are people that go out and gather information for themselves and they will incorporate more than just the medication And some of them will talk to their oncologist about it, which I highly recommend. Let your oncologist, if you're going through cancer treatment, let your oncologist know if you're doing other things like going for acupuncture or you're going on a plant-based diet, they need to know. Um, But mm, advocate for yourself and and don't be limited. If an oncologist says, "Mm, I don't think you really need to change your diet, you know, get counsel from a nutritionist that's specialized in in health, uh, let the oncologist be specialized in the cancer and the and the oncological treatments. But go out and build a team. Um, so, yeah, cancer survivors tend to build their own teams, and they tend to go beyond what the oncologist says. And faith in food it comes mm-hmm. out. I, I just heard people talk so much about, you know, when it was, seemed really, really hard, I dug in and faith got me through uh, and I made changes. I, and I think there's a lot of common sense knowledge. You know, obviously you shouldn't be eating candy bars if you have cancer. Uh, and so people find the strength to actually follow through on what they already know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with that and your observations. Um, people who are new to integrative health, people who are listening today that are intrigued by, by what you're saying and looking to start a healthier type of lifestyle. Can you give, um, can you give them ideas, you know, maybe five healthy tips that they can start on a better way to not just longevity, but a healthier longevity? Absolutely. Um, The first thing that that is really important to me is to make this statement. Medicine actually doesn't uh, promote health. It fights disease. 
So you have to find other ways to promote health. Um, think of any, any type of uh, illness that you have. Let's just say that you have a throat infection and the medicine is antibiotic. So it goes and it fights the uh, bacteria that's causing that infection. But it didn't actually give you a healthy throat. It just rid uh, you know, your body of the attack. And so when you are thinking about health, don't think in terms of medicine. Medicine is designed for when you are sick. Promoting health is so you don't get sick. Um, I had mentioned to you about excess, but I found that it's not only eat, overeating food, but we have a lot of excess in the areas of stress. Uh, and we also have a lot of excess emotional baggage, which can tie back into a lot of hurt that we've had through our life that never got healed and resentment and bitterness against the people that hurt us that we need to, you know, lighten that load, get rid of the emotional baggage and, uh, you know, you as a counselor would really uh, understand how important that is. Uh, and it's easier said than done. So I'm just encouraging you. I, I don't think you can fix it in one day. And I do encourage people to find a good counselor or a good friend that, can, that you can really speak to. Another thing that I learned was how important connections are. Uh, and I was most inspired by a 96-year-old man named Adolfo Melis in Sardinia, uh, that he and his living siblings, uh, if you added up their ages, he was 96 and they had a brother who was 92 and he had sisters that were older. If you added up the ages of all of the living uh, siblings, it added up to 832 years, just brothers and sisters. And they were recognized by the uh, Guinness Book of World Records. And he was working, they had a farm that they shared, the brothers and sisters, and then their children and grandchildren. So they were growing their own food and he worked in his son's cafe. And he said, you know, how important it was him to wake up every morning and thank God for a new day and ask for his blessing. And so he showed me about the connection to family and friends and his spiritual connection, uh, which really, you know, increased his joy and lowered his anxiety. The next thing, uh, tip number four would be healing foods. Uh, Dr. Dean Ornish shared that they've identified um, how foods can turn on and off uh, good or bad genes, over 500 genes that they've uh, identified are affected directly by foods. And Dr. Michael Clapper said that nutrients in the food that we eat play our DNA like a piano. And I thought that was a great visual. So there are foods that heal and there are foods that don't heal. And honestly, I think we have common sense. If, if I sat before a person uh, you know, some candy and a milkshake and burger and fries. And then I sat in front of them, uh, you know, a nice dish of quinoa and some steamed broccoli and some delicious spices. I think anybody, even a kindergartner would say, which one's going to promote health. Mm -hmm. And the last thing uh, I learned also in Sardinia was how important it is to be active. And I'm not talking about getting into the gym. I'm talking about getting out to the, to, you know, the park and, and walking. 
But where I was so impressed was up in the granite mountains of Sardinia. Uh, we had been driving and we were about five miles out of uh, town, three to five miles. And we had to stop because these um, goat herders who were all in their 80s and up were crossing the road. And uh, we had to wait and they were taking their sweet time. So we, we were there about 15 minutes, just stopped. Uh, and then we had to drive another three miles to uh, the next town. And so I asked some people in the next town about those, those gentlemen. And they said, well, yes, uh, they go up every morning to let their uh, goats graze and, and sheep. And then um, in the evening, they come back for them. And so I was thinking, okay, they, so they walked three miles in the morning to drop them off and walk three miles back. So that was six miles. And then in the evening, they were walking another round trip six. So these gentlemen in their 80s were walking 12 miles a day in the mountains. It, it wasn't just, you know, flat surface. And I was thinking, wow, that's, that's amazing. Being active, the old statement, use it or lose it, mm -hmm. is, is key. So those would be, you know, the five takeaways that, that I had from filming Healthy Long Life. Wonderful. Now, um, the docu-series is set to come out in January, is it not, of 2021? Uh, yes, you can go um, on to Amazon Prime and just uh, put in the words Healthy Long Life. I think if at Healthy Long we come up, uh, you'll see us there. And uh, there will be five, initially five episodes, uh, but then three more episodes will be uh, released uh, over the next couple of months. And the final episode I actually filmed in my house to address uh, the pandemic and, and coronavirus. And so some of those experts I mentioned to you, uh, they were so kind and they uh, filmed on their computer or their phone uh, commentaries of what we can do to lower our risk or recover quicker uh, if you are diagnosed with COVID-19. So I have commentaries from um, Dr. Francisco Contreras, from Dr. Michael Greger, from Dr. Delia Garcia, uh, and Dr. Uh, T. Colin Campbell. So I was just amazed that, that they made themselves available to that. And I think there's some uh, very important information that will be released in a couple of months. To, to Wonderful. So we can the see the first five already on Amazon Prime. We can go on yes. and, and watch. Yes, please. Terrific. Daniel, thank you so much for not just coming on our show today, but for the work you do. You and I share a very common ideology of health. And, um, you know, you've, you've spent a lot of, of your life working for the betterment of people. And I think this is, you know, this culmination of work to date. Uh, I know there's a lot more left to do, but is is just a wonderful testament to, um, to what you're doing. And everybody, please take the time and watch this it's um it's quite beautiful i've seen um some intros and i've seen read some uh work about it so um i will be sitting down and watching it this is my next tee up on amazon prime but daniel thank you again so much for joining us on the health hub today it was such a pleasure to be with you and thank you for the great work that you and your team are doing as well oh thank you daniel everybody we will talk to you next week on the health hub
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.